Well, my message today is exactly on that. It's on preaching the word. That's the message today. And, and I'm actually really excited to preach this message because it's for anyone who serves the Lord, this is the focus of our life, to be in the word of God and, and to share it with others. And I wanted to start by sharing a story with you of, of um, a young man that I know. He, he learned a really valuable and important but difficult lesson last summer. This young man worked for a bank and he was let go of the bank. He was fired because this young man had um, developed what I call a poor attitude. You see, he had come in this day to work and he was behind the teller window and this woman had shown up that he knew real well, was one of his clients, and she wanted to pull out $2,000. And so he checked her account and he pulled out the $2,000, gave it to her, and you know she went on her way and everything was fine. But that night when he's reconciling the books he realized that he had transposed one of the account numbers and he pulled the money from somebody else's account and gave it to her. Well, that wasn't grounds for termination, but he was written up. And the problem was is that same month he'd been late to work twice and he was written up both those times also. And so the management recognized that his attitude had shifted, that he had become complacent in the job. Got kind of bored, you know, it's the same old thing. And I think just took for granted I'll always get a paycheck kind of deal. And they saw the attitude shift, started showing up late to work. Then he had the biggie thing happen with giving the wrong money from the wrong account. And they fired him. Difficult, difficult lesson. Well, that same idea of complacency can also affect us in the church with disastrous results where we become kind of comfortable and complacent in our walks and we kind of look at the Bible as well. When I get around to it, I guess I'll pick this thing up and maybe read it and maybe even apply this thing to my life. And Paul the Apostle, when he writes 2 Timothy, which is where we're at today in 2 Timothy chapter 4, he's writing to his beloved friend and disciple, one he calls the son in the faith, Timothy. And 2 Timothy is Paul's last opportunity. This is it. He knows he's going to die. He's going to be executed by the Emperor Nero. He's in prison. What do you say when you know this is it? And you know this is your last opportunity to to impart wisdom to somebody that you love and that you care about. This is what Paul is doing in 2 Timothy. But Timothy had a character issue. Timothy was timid. He was shy. And Paul was concerned because of Timothy's position as a pastor and leader in the church in Ephesus that when people would confront him, that because of his timidity, he would draw back and become complacent in the work of the ministry. And so Paul, in this letter, he writes 25 commands in this letter, 25 of them. But there's one command that is above all the other commands. And that one command is preach the word. And that's what we're going to look at today in 2 Timothy chapter 4. Paul's heart is this. He wants to change the world for Christ. That's it. His heart is that the world itself would become different because of the truth of Christ. But how do you teach somebody to change the world? That's a tough call when you know this is it. How do you tell somebody to change the world? Well, you have to change the way they think. And how do you change the way people think with an idea, with a new idea? In his book entitled Ideas That Change the World, Philip Fernandez Armesto 
said, how does human change happen? This is what he said. He says, contrary to the theories on how history happens through events, this book is about how history happens first in the mind. More than any other single factor, the history of the world has been influenced by the ideas that it's held. We're rational creatures as human beings, and what we think impacts the way we act. I mean, think about how ideas have changed the world. How about Charles Darwin? That little idea of natural selection has radically changed the world. Up to that point, people basically just thought there is a God who created everything. Human beings are created in the image of God, and because of that, we're accountable to him. But now natural selection says, hey, you got a little matter, you got a little time, all of a sudden, boop, you get life and from life. So we're all basically equal to any other living thing. And then we can basically do whatever we want because we're not accountable. It's changed dramatically the way the world thinks and acts. How about Karl Marx? Marxism, Marx was, he was an obscure 19th century philosopher. He was a political economist. But he wrote this article entitled The Communist Manifesto. And in his lifetime, not much changed, but it was adopted by somebody by the name of Lenin. And Lenin took that and he created a regime that erased politics, it erased historical memory, it erased all his opposition. And not only did he leave those ideas to his successor, but it was adopted by Mao Zedong, by Hitler, by Pol Pot in Cambodia, and on and on and on. Are we still dealing with socialism today? Yeah. Ideas, ideas in the mind change things, and that's Paul's heart. He wants to change the way people think with the truth of Scripture. Well, how do you do that? You preach. You preach the Word, but it's not only for people that stand in a pulpit. It is for every believer in Christ. And as we go through this message, understand that this is for everyone sitting here that knows Christ, that you are commanded. And I look at it as the number one command in 2 Timothy, to preach the word. Let's read the text, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 8. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge of the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and they will turn aside to miss. But you be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work on evangelist, fulfill your ministry. For I am ready, I am already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. In the future, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all those who have loved his appearing. We need to prioritize the preaching of the word. We should prioritize the preaching of the word because we have a limited time of opportunity. This is the first thing we see. We should prioritize the preaching of the word because we don't know this may be our last chance. This may be it. And Paul begins his section right here with a charge. He charges Timothy right here to preach it, to bring it, to share it. This is not a suggestion. 
This is not an option that Timothy can agree or not to agree with. And actually, it's not an option for any one of us here. We are to be ready. That's the charge that's laid before us. And the reason he gives this charge, there's power behind it, is because of four realities. Look with me in in verse 1. The first two realities are God the Father and Jesus Christ the Son. The reality of the presence of God the Father and the presence of His Son, not as a Savior, but as a coming judge. One day, guys, each one of us here will stand before the Lord and we will give an account for our life. Not only for how we lived our life and acted, but also what do we do with the word that we've been given. And more than any other time in history, we have the word of God at our fingertips. I've got it on my phone. I've got it on my computer. I don't know how many Bibles. I tried to count them this morning. I didn't get to them all. We have the word of God and we are responsible for that. To share that word with others. And there's authority behind it because one day we'll give an account to God the Father and Jesus Christ the Son. Those are the first two realities, but there's another two. Because of Christ and the eternal kingdom, Jesus is coming back. And he's coming back as an eternal king and and we will serve as co-heirs with him under his authority. And we need to know that that authority is present and coming. And there's a day when we will have to give an account if we were faithful to this. And we are to preach every chance we get. Look at verse 2. Paul says, preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, encourage with great patience and careful instructions. Right here, Paul gives five commands. These are called in the aorist imperative. This means it's as strong as you can make it. And he's saying, I want you to begin with to preach. And to preach the word is the first command. It's like an umbrella that the other four fall under. And he's saying, listen up. If you want to change people's hearts, if you want to change the way people act and think, preach it. Bring it. Bring the word of God. And it means to teach regularly through the whole counsel of God's word. It's not just one section that you feel comfortable with. It means to constantly be bringing the word of God to anyone within your influence. Why do you think we teach the Bible here and we teach whole sections of Scripture and we go book by book, chapter by chapter, verse by verse? We do that because we want to be faithful to this principle of preaching the Word of God. It's called expository preaching. Rarely will you hear a topical message. We want to bring you the whole counsel of God's Word from the Old Testament, from the New Testament, from Psalms. We want to bring you the Word of God in its fullness And that same command is applied to us as believers in Christ. Because Paul says here he wants them to be prepared. Because underneath preach the word, there's four commands that that indicate how preaching the truth should be carried out. And he says, be prepared in season and out of season. This means ready. Be ready. It's kind of like a soldier. I was saying, what's this? It's kind of like a soldier. They're going to get their deployment papers. And so what do you need? You need to be packed. Because when they come, it may be that night. And maybe say, okay, you're on a plane, you're out. And so you need to be ready and prepared, ready for action, ready to bring the Word of God in any type of season. And that expression, in season, out of season, means whether or not it's convenient, whether or not it's comfortable, whether or not it's favorable. Because the Word of God is what 
does the effect on people's hearts. It's, it's so funny. I, I was thinking about this as I, I meet with some friends on Sunday morning before I come here to church. And we were in 1 Timothy. We're just going through it. And we're in the section of Scripture in chapter 4, actually, no, chapter 5 in 1 Timothy. And they're talking about widows and the responsibility of, of the family to care for their widows. And we're, we're kind of hashing this through and talking through. And one of the guys got convicted. Hey guys, we're talking about a first century, talking about women in the first century that are widows, but we're men in the 21st century, but the word of God still had an effect. One of the guys says, man, I need to start opening up about what this particular scripture began to talk to him. And it just showed me the power that is in God's word when we simply are faithful in season, out of season. And there are three things that the preaching of the word of God does. It, it corrects, it rebukes, and it encourages. And that word corrects, it means to shine a light on the heart of a person. And when God shines the light of the word on the heart, it exposes our sin. and makes us aware, like, wow, man, I'm blowing it. And, and, and we're convicted. We're, we're, all of a sudden we're made aware of things that maybe we were never aware of before because the word of God is powerful. It comes in. And once the, the sin is exposed, he says here to, to rebuke, and that means to warn. So once you're talking to somebody about the word and you recognize that they've been convicted or something has come up in their life, now you can rebuke it, you can warn them against that sin, turn from that, follow Christ. That does not edify God. This edifies God. And then what does he say? After they've been convicted and you rebuke them, what do you do? You come up alongside them and you encourage them with great patience. This is the Word of God. It's the way we do it. It's, it's a wonderful way that the Word of God works. And we are to preach it, bring it, share it as often as we can. The hard part with this particular message is that word preach. We, we, we think about it and it makes us think it's always somebody from a pulpit talking down to somebody. But, but preach is the Greek word caruso and what it means is just to share or talk to or proclaim the word of God. And that's what we're to do is we're to be faithful in this call, this command. And it's for every believer, not just for a pastor, but for everyone. And the reason we do that is our time is limited. Look at verses 3 and 4. He says, for the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine, but instead, to suit their own desires, they'll gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear, and they'll turn away from the truth, and they turn to myth. People aren't always going to put up with the truth. They're not going to put up with sound doctrine. These two verses are interesting. They're in the future tense. That means that... They're applicable to today into the future. So they were applicable in Paul's day to Timothy and they're applicable today for us. Children that are here, we we have family Sunday today. We have the kids with us. This is also for you. You get to share with your friends the truth from God's word. And it's a privilege to be able to do that. Because people, it says here, won't always listen. Because when it becomes uncomfortable, <laughs> when suddenly their sin is exposed, what's the natural reaction? You want to pull away. And what they want to pull away to is something that is comfortable. And so they'll turn away from the truth 
and they'll turn away to anything that suits their own desires. They'll find somebody that's teaching that they want to hear. Man, let's just, let's just stick with end times. I'm real comfortable in that genre. I don't want to hear the rest of the Bible. But you need the whole counsel of God's word. And people will turn away from the truth to things that itch their ears, things that, oh, okay, i got an itch. I just want to take care of that thing. I don't want to deal with the rest of the stuff that's really bothering me that I really know. Because maybe if I don't deal with it, God doesn't know about it. Sorry about that. (laughs) We need to be faithful, guys, to anybody who's in your life that you have influence with to just share the Word of God. Because what happens, what happens when somebody doesn't listen to the truth? It's the truth. Well, if you're not going to listen to truth, what are you going to listen to? You've got to listen to a lie. You've got to make something up. You listen to myths, man-made fables, things that seem like they make sense, kind of. I'll make it fit in my life, and, and then I'll be comfortable in my life. But you bring the Word of God, and it cuts through that, because the truth, the Word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword. It literally cuts through the muck. It comes right into the heart, and it exposes what we're all about, doesn't it? And so we need to know this word, the Bible has been given to us as a gift, not only for our edification, but for others. And every believer here, myself included, just need to be faithful to this one command. Will you simply share it with your friend, your family member, your co-worker? Will you preach the word of God? And we have to prioritize the preaching of the word because we have this limited window, this limited time of opportunity and you never know, I mean, you never do when, when your last chance is going to be. You, you never know when, when God may give you that one moment with that one person that you care about, that that's it. In 1999, my dad died of a heart attack. He was sitting in a pharmacy in a hospital. All of a sudden, boom, massive heart attack. He slumped over in the chair. The cool thing was if somebody noticed him, they literally just pulled in a gurney, put him on, went right to the emergency room. He's back. Right, But my dad needed a triple bypass, so they do the triple bypass. And he gets the full surgery. His heart was as strong as a 20-year-old, man. He was back. The problem is my dad had smoked for 50 years. Unfiltered camel cigarettes. Hello. Okay, when you do surgery, you typically have a ventilator. That means it breathes for you. Well, they couldn't get the ventilator out. Four times they tried to pull the ventilator out. And every time they did, his lungs failed. And so I knew that this was the last chance. And so my wife and I went in early before any of my family got there because my dad did not know the Lord. And we go there early in the morning and and we get there and I'm ready to share the gospel and I couldn't talk. I was so emotional. And so God bless my wife. She crawls up in bed with my dad, kisses him on the cheek and just begins to tell him, today may be it for you and we love you so much and you have an opportunity because God loves you too and... and, uh, Dad, you've got a problem because you're a sinner, but God has made a way for you through Jesus. And if you'll just accept him into your life right now, he will save you. And we'll see you again in heaven. And, and, and I, I could say, Dad, do you want to do that? And he nodded. Now, my dad had a ventilator. He couldn't talk. And so I take that nod as faith. <laughs> and I'm praying that when I get to heaven, I'll see my dad. And so I just prayed, Dad, I'm going to pray for you. And I prayed for my father right there. I knew My last opportunity. But can I tell you, most of you won't. You never know. This may be your last chance to preach the word of God to somebody you really care about. And can I encourage you as a church? Preach it. Bring it with love. Bring it to your friend. Bring it to your family member, your coworker, whoever. But some of you may say to me, now wait a minute, Rob, you know, this all sounds really good and churchy. But what, you know, 
isn't it God who saves? I mean, why do I need to preach anyway? Well, the Bible says that faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. This is how God has designed it. And I want to share with you five theological reasons that were shared with me by one of my professors at Talbot by the name of Ken Edwards. And in fact, as he shared them this past week, I went, that works. <laughs> I wrote them down and you get it. The first one is because God exists. Because God exists. He is the elephant in everyone's living room, guys. Our life does not work right if we don't have God in our life. And you need him in your life and suddenly things begin to come together. And so we share the word of God because he exists, but also we share because he's not silent. God is always proclaiming his glory, is he not? I was just in the mountains with my brother and we're looking over this beautiful lake and I said, Gordy, how can anyone deny that there is a God? And he kind of went, hmm, yeah, <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, how does he do that? It's called general revelation. God has made himself known by the things that are made. He tells us in Romans, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power, his divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood by what has been made so that people are without an excuse. He has made himself known by what is made. And also, do you know he's given you a conscience so that you know that there's a God and he's put it in there for that reason. So that's general, but also he has what we call special revelation. How about miracles? Now, I've never actually been seen a visible miracle, but what about the people who went across the Red Sea? Do you think they knew about the power of God? Hello. How about angelic visitation? Do you think Mary, when Michael shows up, and, or Gabriel, when Gabriel shows up to Mary, do you think she understood that God was alive and had a purpose for her? How about Jesus Christ? We have, the, we have the Son of God in our midst and He's proclaiming an eternal kingdom. How about the Scriptures, guys? This is called special revelation. It is the very words of God imparted to men and, and by a miracle they put it on a page and every word is God's word and we have this special revelation given to us because God exists, because He's not silent. And also because of His written word, this, this very book is an inspired work. That means that it is God-breathed. It has been given by God for edification and for the, the saving of others. And because it's inspired, you know what? It's, it's called infallible. There's no mistakes in this. It's a perfect work. And we can preach it with confidence. We can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that we're being faithful to what God wants us to do. I had somebody recently say, I'm trying to figure out what God's purpose is. Can I tell you? Preach the word. <laughs> It's for everyone. Now, he may have specific calls for you, but I can tell you the one that, that is by no doubt going to work. It's preach, teach, encourage through the word of God. But also, guys, there's value in this word. There's value. There's value for the unsaved. This is how they get saved, is the word of God. I've only known of one person that ever had a vision, Pastor Farouz. He came to Christ through a vision, and many people in, in Iran are doing that. They're, he's revealing himself to them. But you know what happens after that? They have to go talk to someone about it and figure out what is he saying. They show them the Bible, begin to tell them, show them the word of God, and suddenly they come to Christ. The vision isn't, isn't what's saving them. It's the truth of God's word that is saving them. It's for unsaved people, but it's also for saved people. We grow, we mature in Christ through the word of God. And lastly, because there's power. There's power 
in the Word of God. All Scripture is God-breathed. And the power of God unto salvation is in this book. And so because of those reasons and many more, we need to preach the Word of God. We need to prioritize it in our life because there's a limited time of opportunity. So that's the first time, a limited time of opportunity. Second thing we see is that we should prioritize the preaching of the Word because it's a tough one. It's our job. It's our job. (laughs) It's what we're called to do as believers. If I could... I guess, rank things in the Christian life that we need to do. Can I tell you the number one? This is it. We are commanded. And the strongest emphatic command that you can have in the Scripture is to bring the Word of God. Look at verse 5. He says, But you be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. He begins with be sober in all things. This means to be literally free from intoxicants. It means not to be drunk. It means to have a clear mind. It means to be ready to share the word of God so that if you're clear thinking, you'll be able to do it in a right way. And and he says, by the way, this ministry that we're all called to, it's a ministry of hardship, suffering. It's a, it's a ministry that you, you are willing to be a part of because our Lord Jesus suffered. And so we need to understand when we come to Christ that this is part and parcel of what we get. It's not just God's going to fix it now, and and there are many people that come to Jesus because they want God to fix it now. But when you agree to the terms of the contract to be be part of the kingdom of God, you're signing on the dotted line that I will suffer for Christ's sake. Endure it, he says. Jesus said in this world you'll have tribulation, but take courage, I've, I've overcome the world. You can have courage because of Christ and you can know that your, your suffering is not alone. It's with him and for him. And Jesus also tells us that if anybody wishes to come after me, we must what? Pick up a cross daily, <laughs> daily and follow him. So part of Timothy's timidity could have been perceived as an avoidance of suffering. Do you know what I'm saying? Since he was timid by nature, kind of shy, when, when people would come in and begin to ridicule him and he would re- pull back, it could be viewed as, wow, he doesn't want to suffer. This guy's afraid. And so Paul is really trying to help him understand that, no, Timothy, you signed up for the suffering ministry. Anybody here done that lately? And sign up in the lobby. <laughs> no, just kidding. That's part and parcel of our Christian life. We're going to suffer. And then he says, he says, now here's the job. He says, do the work of an evangelist. He's not saying you've been gifted as an evangelist. He's saying, no, do the work of an evangelist. He's saying there is a work that we have to do as believers in Christ, and this is to go tell somebody. Evangelize. In the Greek, it just means to proclaim again, to tell someone, to to speak out loud. A lot of people want to evangelize this way. Well, I figure in the next 15 years as I'm living next to this neighbor, they'll see my life and they'll come to Christ. Eh. No. That helps but it's better when you tell them. Much better because it's the word of God that has the power and it's the word of God that does the work. So those people in your life, they're not there on by accident. There is a purpose behind it and that purpose is that you will share with them from the scriptures. So do the work of an ministry and he says, and discharge or fulfill your ministry. Be faithful to what God has called you to do and primarily number one is this, be faithful to this. 
And it carries with it an eagerness, a wholeheartedness. Man, go for it, he's saying. Just dive in and every time you get a chance, man, just bring it. Bring the word because that's what's going to do the work. Now, one thing that young man learned by losing his job, man, is it nice having a job. <laughs> Especially nowadays, right? When you lose your job today, we really feel it because it's not like you can just go out and get another job anymore. That young man was out of work for over six months trying to find another job, right? And God was faithful and brought him another job. He had taken for granted that he'd always have a paycheck. And as believers, we need to beware not to take for granted that you're going to have this opportunity to always share or that God's going to open up another door. If it's there, take it. Because God does not want you to be complacent. God does not want me to be complacent. He wants us to be ready. And you're out might be, well, I'm really shy. Guess what? That was Timothy. (laughs) He was shy. It's not an out. It's not an excuse. And Paul's not giving him any wiggle room. He's just saying, you know what? Just bring it. Trust God and bring the word. And if you do that, God will be faithful. But the objection typically is, yeah, but the problem is people get mad. They get upset when I share the word of God. And, and there's, there's no rewards in this life for that kind of thing. Whenever I do it, I just get slammed. Well, you know what? The rewards here in this life are small, but the eternal rewards are great. Preach the word. We should prioritize the preaching of the word because it's our job. And we should prioritize the preaching of the word because we have this limited time of opportunity. And lastly, we see here that we should prioritize the preaching of the word because of those who have faithfully gone before us. They preach the word. We should prioritize the preaching of the word, guys, because of those faithful men and women who have laid the groundwork of how it's done. Look at verses 6 through 8. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time for my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. And in the future there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but to all those who love his appearing. Paul says here, he says, I'm being poured out like a drink offering. You know, when you look at the Levitical sacrifices, the drink offering was the one where they used all of it. You know, when you took, oftentimes they would take a sacrifice an animal, they'd just take a portion, they'd put that and they'd burn it on the altar. And then the portion of that, would, then some of the other meat would go to the priest and then the remainder they'd sell on the open market. But here, when you poured the drink offering, they poured the whole glass of wine on these hot coals and then the smoke would rise up as a pleasing incense to God. And Paul was saying, this is my life. I have been poured out as a pleasing incense to God. My time has come. And I'm a fragrant aroma to God because of what I do. He's saying, this is it. I'm being poured out. And when you look at Paul's life, it is centered right in the center. It's preaching the word, is it not? Romans 1.16 says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who will believe for the Jew first and also for the Greek. Paul is saying that there is power when you preach the word of God. It's for everyone. He says in 1 Corinthians 1.17, he says, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not in cleverness of speech, so, so the cross of Christ would not be made void. He also says in 1 Corinthians 4.5, We do not preach ourselves, but we preach Christ Jesus who was crucified, and we are his bondservants. And then he said this, and I love this. He says this in Romans 10, verse 13 and 14. He says, whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. 
But how then will they call on him in whom they've not believed? And how will they believe in him in whom they've not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? Paul's whole life is centered there, guys. And our whole life needs to have that at the center point. That's the target goal for us. Is just sharing the word of God. Now, when you think of preachers in the Bible... Are there any there? I mean, I was trying to think, are there many preachers? Everybody was a preacher. <laughs> think about it. You got Noah, you got Moses, you got Elijah, you got Jonah, you got Amos, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, you got Peter, you got Philip, you got Jesus was a preacher. And we have this example in Paul as, as a preacher, but he knows that right now his departure, and he uses that word that, that his departure has come. And that idea of departure literally is to pull up stakes of a tent. It's kind of a cool picture. Paul's pulling up this earthly body and he's going to plant new stakes in a heavenly body is the picture here. He says, my departure has come. And he says, I have fought the fight. He's expended himself in energy. I have absolutely tanked myself. I have fought it all the way to the end. He says, I've run the race. Literally, I've got that goal in mind and I'm stretching towards the goal. I've run that race. I've been faithful is what he's saying. And do we see that in Scripture? Man, when he was in, in the Philippian jail, he was chained to guards 24-7. They would be on rotating shifts, usually every six hours. And it says in Philippians chapter 1, verse 13, that the whole Praetorian guard heard the gospel. How did they do that? Because he's sitting there chained to them. What's he doing? Preaching. He's just talking to them. Hey, nah, nah. This is his life. He is the, he's a good example for us. He preaches the word of God. And he says, I've kept the faith. Kept the faith. That means he was faithful because God is faithful. He was faithful. Now, honestly, when we go through this kind of a study, you feel a little uncomfortable, don't you? Let's be honest. But Paul said this, and this is real hope in this. He says, there is for me in the future, a future hope. He says, I got a crown waiting. I got this crown that's laid up for me. It's like I can wait in. It's like a little box. And there's going to be a Robbie crown for me. And it's not so much based on what I do, but on my heart, on why I did it. You know what I'm saying? Was I faithful to the call of God? And you know, in Matthew, it says to store treasures in heaven. And that's what Paul was doing. He was storing up treasures in heaven. And the neat thing about Paul is, he knew that this was it, but he had no regrets. None. He's ready to go. And I got to tell you, my dad had regrets. My dad shared with me two months before he died a lot of things. But I'll never forget, it was kind of like he was, I don't know if, I don't know, it's the way God works things, but he just began to open his heart to me and began to share with me because I have so many regrets. My dad had become an alcoholic and because of his alcoholism it caused him to be violent and because of that violence it caused my mom and dad to split and because of that we had a broken home and it could just go on and on, Right? My dad had great regret. I read an article from Newsweek about Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's called Arnold's Wild Road Trip, April 2011. It said, Life at 63 for Arnold Schwarzenegger is a titanic clash between human frailty and dazzling possibility. Arnold said, I feel terrific about where I am in my life when I look back at what I've accomplished, but I feel horrible when I look at myself in the mirror. And, and then the writer says, yeah, it's a jolt to hear Schwarzenegger, a five-time Mr. Universe, a seven-time Mr. Olympian, 
And before he was Conan the Barbarian, he was the Terminator and ultimately governor, musing about his own decay. He's still strapping in shirt sleeves, a fine specimen of an aging movie star. He's lost an inch and a half in his height from six foot two, and 31 inch waist has ballooned to 36 inches, and his vaulted 57 inch chest has shrunk by over half a foot. Arnold says, I'm not competing, I'm not ripping off my shirt anymore or trying to sell my body. Um, He says, but when I stand in front of a mirror and I really look, I wonder, what in the heck happened here? What a beating I've taken. Thirteen years ago, Schwarzenegger had surgery to replace a a defective aortic valve, and at some point in the next several years, they're going to have to go in and split open his chest again and install a new one. And he said, it's quite a number on you for quite some time, because even though you're strong-willed, you know from now on you're damaged goods. And then he adds with a chuckle, As with most things, I live in denial. Arnold Schwarzenegger, three weeks after this, said that he and Maria Shriver are going to get a divorce because he was unfaithful. Three weeks after this article. He is going to die with great regret. Can I encourage you? You don't need to have regrets. Just be faithful. Be faithful to the Word of God and and share it. When God opens the door, you step in and say, Lord, I don't have a clue what I'm going to say, but I'm going to say something and give me a verse right now. (laughs) And be faithful. Be faithful to share it. Paul was very faithful to share and preach. Now, here's here's the objection to this. Now, wait a minute. Paul's super Christian. (laughs) Paul, man, that guy's gifted for this. And yeah, sure, he's going to preach. But hey, what about me? I'm just a normal everyday Joe and... You know, remember the Greek word, caruso. It means to proclaim aloud, to announce or mention publicly. That's what preaching means, guys. And wherever you are in your walk, you can share, you can share the word of God. You have an opportunity. But here's the model because it's for every believer. I just want to show you this so you understand. The model isn't for preachers like Paul. The model is for everyone. In Acts chapter 8, before Paul was Paul, he was Saul, and he was a persecutor of the church, right? And man, he would come in and he'd get these Christians, he'd throw them in jail, he even had some put to death. And it says in Acts chapter 8, verses 3 and 4, but Paul, ravaging the church, entering house after house, dragging off men and women, he would put them in prison. Verse 4 is the key, he says, therefore those who had been scattered went about preaching the word. So Paul comes into a church, he disperses it, what do the people do? They don't leave silent, wherever they go, they share. That's the picture of us here. When you walk out this door, that's what God wants you to do, just to share the word of God, to be faithful to preach, to be faithful to this one and priority call. And the whole book of 2 Timothy is this, preach the word. Because we should prioritize the preaching of the word because of those who have faithfully gone before us preach the word. We should prioritize the preaching of the word because we have this little window of opportunity and we need to prioritize the preaching of the word because it's our job very clear here in this scripture and I just want to leave you with an application there are ministries to help you in this to help you preach to help you learn how to tell somebody about Jesus to tell somebody about that and most of you know these things but I'm just going to share them because we have a lot of them one that's dear to me is evangelism explosion you can learn how to tell someone the gospel when they're ready if you'll just have faith and step forward I've found most people don't share the word of God because the main reason is they don't know what to say. They're afraid they'll mess it up. This will help you. 
We, this is starting September 21st, 6 o'clock. We have sign-ups in the back. You can literally just say, I'm going to be a part of it and take a step of faith. We have another, another one called the Billy Graham Telephone Center. We have here a telephone center for Billy Graham Ministries. And when Billy Graham does a crusade on TV, you know, the old classics, and they have a little 1-800 number, our church is one of the calling centers. Literally, people call in and tell you they want to receive Jesus. And you get to just lead them through scriptures and pray with them to receive Christ. Great ministry. But you'll get to preach the word of God in that ministry. Global media outreach. It's an online preaching. Somebody sends you a message and says, hey, I'm wherever, I'm in Zimbabwe and I've just received Jesus. And they may say, what does it mean to follow God or how do I grow in Jesus? You get to tell them. It's a neat, neat ministry. And can I give you a really, really easy one? Take someone to lunch. Have coffee. Say hello to your neighbor. Talk to a workmate. With intention that one day when that friendship begins to blossom and they begin to share their life with you that you have answers from the Word of God. That's really what preaching means. It means being ready every moment. Wherever the Word of God applies, you get to share it. But there's an intention behind it and can I encourage you to be part of that? Have that heart to preach. That goes for the little guys as well as you older guys and ladies. Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful for the Word of God and I think if all of us are honest, Lord, we feel like somewhat we've failed maybe in this area and this command to preach. But Lord, we know that you're good and you're faithful, that you will help us, Father, and you'll strengthen us for the task at hand. In Jesus' name, amen. Can I have you stand with me?